1: Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This thing Monday Night Raw, this fight way! It's Wrestle Rant Radio.
0: And we're back, folks, right here on WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, June 11, 2020. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Ton to talk about here today between NXT TakeOver in your house from this past weekend. Backlash coming up this weekend featuring the single greatest, according to WWE anyway, greatest match of all time. We're breaking that down here today on WrestleRant Radio. Joining me, as always, the illustrious Mr. Marceau, RJ. Welcome back to the show, brother.
1: Thanks for having me on, GSM.
0: ton to talk about here today, like I said, between TakeOver, Backlash, and everything else in between, but the most important happening in the world of sports right now, outside of all the wrestling stuff, was the big race last night, marshaled by Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Didn't really get a chance to, ke- uh, to catch it, check it out. What were your thoughts on it on Wednesday night?
1: It was a good race. It ran a little long. I think it didn't get over till like 10, 30, 11, which is a little bit past my bedtime. But it was a good time. I missed Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, too, because... Direct TV was being wonky as shit, so I had a <laughs> box to stream it, and then by the time I had that done, the race was, it was already passed, and they were like, nope, good go, good luck to them. Like, they don't really, obviously, they have fucking no idea what's going on. They're like, good rock, luck of the match. Like, they have fucking no clue what's going on. But it's funny just when they plug it during NASCAR races, they're like, and Sasha Banks, like, they have no idea what's going on, so just <laughs> fucking fuck it
0: yeah they have like no clue it's so funny but it's cool cross promotion because you hear a lot about like again they promoted nascar last week on smackdown i've seen during the various races and you know the super bowl and stuff like that anything on fox they're always plugging smackdown so um that's pretty cool to say but like i said take over in your house from this past sunday we got a ton of talk about that i very much enjoyed the show i know you're still recovering from that Io Shirai nxd women's championship victory how are you holding up four days later
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It took me like probably a day or two to just get over it, but I'm doing good.
0: Is your sleep uh, schedule back to normal now?
1: back to normal. I slept really well
0: last night. <laughs> Perfect. Before we go any further, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. People can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday. Not only on NextAirWrestling.net, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Simply search up WrestleRantRadio.com and I'll give you everything you need to know on what's going on, new episodes with WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday with with myself and Mr. Marceau speaking of which real quick Mr. Marceau any update on when you might be leaving me here on the show to return to your Red Sox duties
1: not no update yet they they're still being very precautious so I I would say no time soon
0: so that means my email that I sent to your boss on Monday went through me threatening them to keep you here on the show for as long as possible Must have. Must have. All right, perfect. So anyway, we're talking TakeOver real quickly before we get to the greatest match ever wrestling talk at the end of the show. Um, I thought it was a really good show. I know obviously the biggest component of these TakeOvers are the crowds. Um, They're always electric. They add a lot to the atmosphere of these TakeOvers. We've been to various, many of them. We've been to TakeOver Philadelphia. We were at TakeOver 25. We were at TakeOver New York. Um, have we gone, or you were at TakeOver or Orlando as well? We didn't sit together, but you were there as well. Have you, have you been to only four TakeOvers? Have you been to another one that I'm not thinking of?
1: Um, sounds about right. You said Philly, Orlando, uh um, And
0: New York, uh, 25, York, right?
1: The New York one, and then, uh, TakeOver 25. Yeah, so it's four of them.
0: And then we've also been to various house shows they've done too, which have always been great. A lot of NXT shows, always amazing. Um, couldn't be at this one for obvious reasons, but it's still, I would say, held up as being the usual strong takeover line. I'm not nearly as great as 25 or New York because it lacked that live crowd component. But overall, I would say the nostalgia made up for it. I was binge watching with Alexis on Saturday old In Your House pay-per-views. So the fact, the fact they brought back Todd Pettingale as the, as the, uh, voiceover guy, they had a Doc's Hendrix cameo and Johnny Gargano's house, quote-unquote, which was cool, and a picture hanging up on the wall. They had the old graphics. The set looked fucking awesome. Um, what were your thoughts on the throwback feel of TakeOver on Sunday night, RJ?
1: It was a nice touch. It's glad. I'm just kind of glad that they, not that they brought everything back, but just like the little house and the set, just bringing back like old sets. I feel like WWE's just gone away from that so far that just seeing it back just kind of brought back the old... Uh, nostalgia to old WWE shows or pay-per-views that had, like, unique sets. So, I liked it.
0: Were you disappointed they didn't give away an actual house this time? And how disappointed that you weren't the one that won it?
1: I was so pissed. I wanted to burn a brand house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, we kicked off the show with six-woman tag team action. Tegan Nox, Shotzi Blackheart, and Mia Yim knocking off Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Candice LeRae. I do agree with your sentiment that you sent to me over text during the show that the match... Wasn't really necessary. Yes, it was the weakest match on the show. But that's not to say it was bad. It was good. It was enjoyable. Bit sloppy at certain points. And I echo your thoughts with that as well. But overall, it served its purpose, I believe, as a showcase for that stacked NXT women's division. Uh, Kind of further the feud between Tegan and Dakota, which has been going on for seemingly forever by this point. Uh, Mia Yim and Candice as well. Raquel Gonzalez is improving. Albeit not at a rapid rate, but she's doing better. And then Shotzi Blackheart, I'm a big fan of as well. So I thought this... Served his purpose. It was a good match. Candice and Mia brawl to the back as Tegan pins. I believe Dakota for the victory. Um, your thoughts in this opening contest?
1: That well, was a decent match. Like I said, via text, it just the match didn't really have any purpose to it. Like nothing. It was just basically, like I said, just trying to get everyone on the card. At times, I feel like it did get pretty sloppy. I'm not sure if they weren't like they just lost where they were. Or what was going on? I just feel like multiple times people are stopping and waiting, waiting to catch somebody. I don't know that those stuff kind of just. For me, gets really sloppy at times. But it was a good match. Knox going over. Kai finally getting a win. Not sure it really meant a lot. But just like you said, just a nice little, um I guess, exhibit for the women's division. I think, like, Knox, Kai, uh, Yim, Candice LeRae, like, Shotzi. Pretty much all of them are up and coming. Raquel Gonzalez still needs some work. But I, th- I think she's coming along well, especially as the muscle for Kai. So good little match, but definitely not necessary.
0: Do you think we get anything more with the tension tease between uh, Raquel and Dakota at the end of the match? Because they didn't really follow up on that at all on NXT on Wednesday.
1: I hope not. I think they're good together. I, I would keep them together for a little bit longer until uh, Gonzalez can actually work on her own. I think she's still improving. I think you'd keep her with Kai until, until she uh, gets better.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We then had Finn Balor versus Damian Priest, which to me was a real breakout performance from Priest. I know you're not a big fan of as We talked about him last week. I think Priest would have benefited more from the victory than Balor did, but they're clearly setting up Balor for a shot, as we heard on NXT on Wednesday, at the NXT North American Championship as he beat Cameron Grimes as well on Wednesday night on NXT. So the fact that he won here doesn't entirely surprise me. Um, But a lot of people would argue that it was the best match of the entire show, and it's kind of hard to argue with that, in my opinion. They had a really good performance here. Both guys did. Balor is always great, specifically on these TakeOver specials. It's like night and day from where it was a year ago from, you know, it was literally almost one year to the day. I think actually exactly one year to the day that Balor and Andrade had a match for the Intercontinental Championship on June 7th, 2019, um, at that super showdown show in Saudi Arabia, and no one in that crowd could give two fucks about Finn Balor versus Andrade, and I think Balor was the demon that night too, and no one could give two shits. But you fast forward a year later, and there's no crowds, kind of, it, it, so it's kind of hard to. Uh, gauge people's interest in Balor at this point. But he was doing really well when there were crowds. He's firing in all cylinders. He never disappoints in these takeovers. And with this win, you know, notches his 11th takeover victory, which is incredible. Um, but great match. Priest for him as well. A real good performance here. Looking very good in defeat, in my opinion. And doesn't really lose, doesn't really lose much from this loss. Uh, but your thoughts on this matchup, RJ. Balor beating Priest.
1: No, I thought it was a really good match. I was going to say, I, this was probably my favorite Damian Priest match I've ever seen. He, he did look very well. Um, like you said, he did get protecting the feet. Not sure that, that really means much. Guys don't want a meaningful match ever, so not like you really needed that, but it was a good little showcase for him. Uh, Balor's done great since he's come down to NXT as well, so that was, like you said, probably the best match of the night, um, at least in-ring-wise. I thought it, it told like a good story, and Priest did look good in defeat, but... Like I said, it doesn't really mean much when you lose every match. Maybe one thing, if he, he hadn't lost yet and he looked really good and he, he lost, but like I said, he hasn't won a big match since being really an NXT. So, good little showcase, but I'm interested to see what they do with him uh, from now on.
0: At this point, he's got to win his next big match, right? Whether it be rematch with Balor or someone else because, be, you know, between... Losing to Keith Lee multiple times, and now Finn Balor, and even Pete Dunne many months ago when they were feuding late in 2019. I mean, Damian Priest at this point it's a must-win situation for him going into his next match, right?
1: Unless, unless they just want him to be a glorified loser the rest of his career. I mean, you gotta, I understand that Keith Lee's on fire and he's not going to lose to Keith Lee. Same with Finn Balor, but yet this guy has to win a little bit. To people that care about him. He can't. he's just. You can't have him lose every week and just keep trying him out there. People just give up on him at some point.
0: Yeah, exactly. And not just winning, because I know he does win his fair share of matches on the show, but when it comes to when it matters most. I mean, we talk about that a lot. Like, with Neville years ago, he was the glorified loser here on the show, and Neville's great, but he was always... Not even just losing when it mattered most, but he would just lose, period. Like, week in, week out, and it just hard to care about these people after a while. So hopefully that does not become the case with him. NXT usually does right by most of these people, so I'm hoping that he won't become a victim of always losing on these takeovers, or at least whenever it matters most. Um, we, you mentioned Keith Lee. He did successfully retain the NXT North American Championship on this show against Johnny Gargano, a reaction, or rather an, an outcome, a result that we weren't expecting. We sat here on the show a week ago, expected Gargano to pick up the victory, become the new... NXT North American Champion, the first ever two-time, I believe, NXT North American Champion, and no such luck. Um, he actually lost here after trying to use the key, came up short, they utilized the house set, which I really liked, given the whole build of this match. I'm not sure I was asking Alexis, real quickly, before we discuss the match itself, do you think they did those Gargano skits in mind months ago at the Gargano household, with the idea that they were building to a takeover in-your-house show? Because I know they announced that well after they were doing those skits, but it seems almost like too much of a coincidence at this point.
1: Well, I mean, it's possible. Maybe they were going to do in-your-house themed, even if there was a crowd, and it just obviously with no crowd, it just kind of capitalized on even more. But it's possible. I, I mean, those June and July ones really don't usually have like a set show or kind of, I know when we went, it was 25, and usually kind of, different like i think end of the world was one Mm -hmm. what was the one
0: yeah the the end the end yeah
1: end of the world End. so like those june ones usually don't have like the normal takeover name or platform so they could have gone with uh they said they could have planned on doing in your house themed and then just with what happened with the coronavirus and everything just kind of fell in the place coincidentally but no i've enjoyed i I enjoyed this match um that was a good match that told a good story very surprised keep they lost uh, or won here. I thought Gargano would win here and the league would go gone to face the winner of Colin Dream for the NXT Championship going down the line. But from what we saw in NXT last night, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, but no, a great match. I thought it was a good match. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as Balor and Priest, but I thought it was a good match. It a good story and it wasn't too long.
0: Yeah, it was a very good match. They worked well together. The storytelling was better here than in Balor and Priest just because they've had a whole feud going into this. And, you know, the little minor things like with Gargano, the guy knows what he's doing. You know, Candice Interference was kept to a minimum when Mia and her kind of brawled to ringside. Um, I really liked the match. You mentioned TakeOver The End. I got to mention this. I remember when they did that show four years ago, people, when it was announced that it would be called TakeOver The End, people genuinely thought that it meant the end of NXT. And I'm like, that is the absolute dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, why would you even think that? Why would you even think that NXT is going to end? I guess it was right around the time they were doing the draft. So maybe that's why people thought, oh, NXT is going to fold into Raw and SmackDown, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, but that just that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, this was a really good match. Uh, you mentioned Keith Lee, Adam Cole. We'll talk about this later. Actually, in a moment, because Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream was up next. They did tease Karrion Cross as the next NXT Championship challenger. We'll get to that later in our quick takes before the backlash predictions. But they also did plant the seeds for Lee and Adam Cole. Now, I don't know if it would be a TV match or if they are indeed setting up Lee going after the NXT Championship. It wasn't at the end of the show, but rather it was right after the opening segment and right before Keith Lee and Mia Yim made their entrance for the mixed tag team match. They showed Lee kind of targeting Adam Cole. I forgot what he said exactly. But it seemed like they were planting the seeds for a future feud between the two. And we've been saying this here on the show for a long time now. And I don't think Lee has to lose that championship in order for that feud to work. Um, I think, and I'm about to write about this for an article, about how I think a champion versus champion match, for the first time in NXT's history, could be really, really cool at these two top dominant champions. Um, two of the most dominant champions those titles have ever seen in NXT. So uh, do you think we still could see Cole and Lee for that championship at some point and carrying cross might be just the red herring or do you think it's simply setting up a future TV match between the two?
1: I mean I think I think they could like you said not they could be teasing, possibly doing cross and Cole like they did last night obviously, but maybe when they about to get to the point of him doing it, Chopper comes back or attacks them and they kind of continue after because even though cross won very decisively. I don't think it's like just a one-off. I think they'll continue that probably at the next takeover, and after he beats him there, or maybe an XT show, then he'll move on. I don't think him and Chopper are officially done yet. So, like you said, not I would say not a red herring, but just like kind of teasing that he might be next, and then they should do Lee and... And cool, I would
0: say. Yeah, so they showed Choppa on NXT on Wednesday, not in the building, but leaving the building after takeover on Sunday. So it's not like Cross decimated him to the point where we haven't seen him or anything. We s- literally saw him walking out of the building on Sunday. So he is still around. Um, I do think they could do a scenario where they set up maybe, maybe it's Keith Lee carrying Cross. I don't know why Ciampa would be in a number one contenders match, but just to further the feud, I guess. And then Finn Balor. Finn Balor was also talking trash about Keith Lee. And I guess Adam Cole also mentioned him too at some point. So maybe they do Balor, Cross, and Lee. And then the winner of that gets a future title shot. And Lee somehow wins after Ciampa cost Cross the victory, maybe. Um, there's a lot of different possibilities. I'm really liking what the future of the NXT Championship picture holds, which thus you know thus brings us to Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream from Sunday backlot brawl, first ever in NXT's history. Adam Cole going over decisively to retain the title. I thought this was good. Um, I saw some people saying on Twitter, "Oh, this was the the, the worst match of all the cinematic matches and WWE NXT uh, um, AEW so far," which. I agree with. I mean, there's not a lot of matches to choose from when you consider... I mean, there's a handful between Canadian Stampede, the Cena-Wyatt match, Firefly Funhouse, uh, Boneyard match, Money in the Bank, I guess Ciampa and Gargano, too, uh, from a a couple of months ago. So, yeah, it was probably the weakest. It wasn't a bad match. It served its purpose. I was entertained. The Uber thing was kind of dumb. But overall, I thought it was well done, and it had the right result, and I thought the finish was great. That Panama Sunrise on the chairs looked great. And Dream didn't fucking kick out I was as I was kind of expecting him to. Because that's kind of what we get in NXT. Like, I think he hit that move on Gargano two or three times in one match during their matches last year. And Gargano kicked out. Like, it, it was completely ridiculous. Um, but I'm glad to put away Dream here. Cole's still the NXT champion. Uh, what were your thoughts on the first ever NXT Backlot Brawl, RJ? I
1: thought it was great. I, I don't know why people are not Like I said, I didn't see anyone really crap now. But they're like, oh, easily the weakest. I thought it was a good... Like, I thought it was like the most... I thought it was pretty entertaining. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't, like, overly long, and I thought it served its purpose. They it told a good story um, with uh, Strong and Fish trying to help him out and Dexter Loomis kind of fending them off, and then it came back to them facing off again, and I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was overly gimmicky, wasn't kind of s- silly at all, really, and uh, the finish was perfect. It hit the sun Panama sunrise on the chair, one, two, three, no kick out, no false finish. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was really well done, excellently executed from start to finish here. I thought this was, uh, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it wasn't amazing by any means, but I thought it was good, served its purpose, didn't overstay its welcome. Um, the Dexter Loomis stuff from Undisputed Air and whatever was kept to a minimum, so I thought it was good, and it ha- again, it had the right result. Maybe I'd be sitting here pooping on it if it had a different result, but I was, I was genuinely surprised. Because you sat here on the show last week, RJ, gotta give you credit, predicting EO and Adam Cole to win. Didn't call you a crazy man, but I was thinking it, just because NXT, it it did seem to make the most storyline sense to have Velveteen Dream finally win. Especially whenever you hear, oh, last shot of the NXT Championship. They never do that unless that person's gonna win the title. And then he actually lost, which is refreshing in my opinion. Plus, I mean, Adam Cole, people can bitch and moan all they want. Oh, he's held a championship for a year. Velveteen Dream, I mean, I agree, should probably drop it by now. But first of all, he's been a great champion. Second of all, Velveteen Dream, uh, Velveteen Dream excuse me, was not that guy. He's just been ice cold for the longest time now. He would have been the wrong guy to take that title off of Adam Cole. I have no real desire to see him as NXT champion, at least not right now. So I'm glad they did that. I thought it was a good match. Uh, we then get to carrying Cross completely destroying Tommaso Ciampa in like six minutes. The match was over relatively quick, uh, very relatively quickly. And um, I'm sure they can go out there and have a great match, just an all out war, which I'm sure we will get at some point. But for Cross's first takeover appearance, it was imperative that he went over as decisively as he did. So I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, your reaction, RJ, to Cross's dominant takeover debut?
1: Completely agree with your GSM here. I thought this was a great debut for him, especially on Takeover. Barely gave any offense to champ and just looked like a beast. Like this, a guy his size and guy you're trying to get over as like a the next big kind of monster heel on NXT. Got to go over, especially someone like Chopper, Got to go over in a big way. I thought very short match. Got to the point. Come start, cross comes off as a star, especially with Scarlet, and I was very happy with this match. I, I thought they booked it. The way you need to book it, just a quick squash, get it over the fact that he's going to be a big deal and uh, beat a big star. So I thought this was perfectly booked.
0: Yeah, exactly. Chapa loses nothing here. The guy's a star. He's basically bulletproof in NXT. He's already lost a couple of matches so far between the Adam Cole match at TakeOver Portland and the Johnny Gargano match a couple of months ago. But, um, you know, it, it almost doesn't even really matter. If anything, it adds to his story arc by continuing to lose. Now, I won't say that about many people, but with Choppa, it makes sense because he's not an up-and-coming star the same way Rhea Ripley is and her story arc by losing to WrestleMania, which I call bullshit on because there was no reason for her to lose that match, which is a whole other issue, which we'll get to in a moment. But, uh, yeah, having him go over here... Uh, in dominant fashion, was absolutely the right call. Looking forward to seeing what they do with him on NXT. We'll get to that later in his NXT championship aspirations. But we had our first, as Mar Ronaldo pointed out, or maybe it was Tom Phillips, and I completely forgot about this. Because I figured when they put Cole and Dream in the middle, there was a chance Cole might retain. But I knew when they had this go on last, they were probably going to end the show with EO winning. Although you, you're no, you can never be too sure. You can never be too sure. But they did do that. They did the right thing. Um, but Tom or Morrow pointed, I forgot which one, that this was the first women's main event in TakeOver history since Bayley and Sasha five years ago TakeOver Respect. And that's actually kind of mind-boggling to me, considering that the division has almost always been great, you know, aside from when Asuka was squashing Billy Kay every week a couple of years ago. Like, a lot of these women's matches on these TakeOvers could very well main event TakeOver, and they haven't in the last five years. Did that surprise you to find that out, RJ?
1: A little surprising, but I think the men's the men's division, especially for the championship, has been so strong in the last few years. So, not that it's too surprising, but I think it also also hurts them that the men's division's been so strong. So it it just can't trump the men's division. I think the last like ten the twenty takeovers have just had stacked men matches for the title. So I understand. Obviously, Cole and Dream was like a decent sized match, but didn't have the build that. I thought E.O. and Charlotte had. So I, I'm a little surprised, but I think the men have just been so good that I'm not too surprised.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm glad that they went on last with the women's match. It was, uh, you know, the better match of the two. I thought it was very well done. I mean, given the talent involved, that should come as no surprise. Um, Io was great here. Really, uh, Rhea obviously did well as well. Charlotte, for as much crap as we give her, as being overexposed and whatnot. She also put in a great performance here in this triple threat. She did a very good job. Um, the finish eh, didn't look too great with EO probably knocking Rhea right out with that knee right to the face. Um, shit happens. She's not as reckless as Nia Jax. Before anyone makes those comparisons, um, you know, a little mistimed or just that was Io's fault. It wasn't Rhea's, but it is what it is. Other than that, I thought this was a terrific triple threat match with again the right result. Io Shirai emerging as the new NXT Women's Champion after all this time, after one year of chasing that championship. She's finally champion. Better late than never. Um, I thought this was a great way to close out the show. Confetti and all, very Japan esque, as what they would do in typical you know Japan celebration fashion, which is amazing. Very very much like that, made for a great visual. Uh, My only regret is that it didn't take place in front of an actual audience, but other than that, this was uh, a great way, in my opinion, to go off the show. Um, Your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, and I already know what you're going to say, but your thoughts on Io finally fulfilling her destiny as becoming the NXT Women's Champion on the show.
1: Finally. Finally, you won. (laughs) God, it feels amazing. Um, Just a great... I thought it was a good match. Wouldn't say it was great. Had some points that kind of felt like it was... Not dragging, but like they kind of... We're waiting a little bit on like certain dives and stuff, um, but besides that, I thought it was a good match. That finish, yeah, wasn't the greatest. I think that was my my biggest issue with that. It was that was clearly made so Charlotte wasn't gonna get pinned, but she like didn't look bad. So that like, they kind of made some weird spot that she was giving Rhea the figure eight, and then she had to hit the moonsault. And somehow, even the, it still looked stupid because Charlotte was still right there. It wasn't like she hit Charlotte. Charlotte could have easily just like hit her, but. I don't know if they just – I I don't really get that at all. I think that's kind of what annoyed me is that either Charlotte didn't take the pin because she didn't want to or they made that goofy fucking finish because it made her look so much strong because she didn't get pinned. I don't know. That kind of annoyed me because realistically she could have hit a fine moonsault like she normally does and it look good and she would have won. I think the goofy setup just kind of made it look silly and not that cheap in the win because – I mean, I was still ec- ecstatic that she won, but it's, like, one of those things you look back at, it's, like, eh. it It's kind of, it's like that Becky Lynch finish. Like, I was so excited that Becky won at WrestleMania, but, like, the way that happened, and just, like, it was more controversy on the finish than actually her winning.
0: You know, I think it was a good idea, in theory, for them to finish the match the way they did, but I think, I just don't think the execution was on point. That's all. Um, but that being said, though, I mean, obviously having her win the championship was the right call. She pinned Ripley which I think even Triple H said, oh, that's a part of her story arc, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, it doesn't really hurt Rhea. I just don't understand. My my thing is, is that if Charlotte is done in NXT, we didn't see her last night, but that doesn't mean that she's done officially on the show, because she, in NXT, I think they still have rematch clauses, so they could always go back to the rematch, which is why I'll ask you this. Do you think they didn't have Charlotte get pinned so she can come out next week and say, hey... EO, you didn't pin me. I want my rematch, and then they can have EO decisively defeat Charlotte Flair?
1: I guess, but I mean, at the, just. I think it would have saved Rhea more if Charlotte was the one that got pinned, and then you could just go back to Rhea and EO. Rhea really doesn't have any leg to stand on right now because she just got pinned clean, so. I mean. I think I, if that's the route they want to go and have Charlotte face her again, okay, but. I mean, it's definitely not necessary, and I think it hurts Rhea more than it helps Charlotte.
0: Yeah, it's odd. I mean, Charlotte is one of those people that, like Ciampa, is basically bulletproof at this point for that women's division, so the fact they don't have her beat... I mean, it's not that she's undefeated, but it's so rare that she gets beat. Yeah, it means something when she does, I get that, but, like, I would have had her get pinned here, because if she is done in NXT, even if she is on her way out, I would still have her get pinned. I mean, having her lose to Io Shirai, it's not like she's losing to Casey Catanzaro... Or something like that. It could be, you know, it could be much worse. It's not some sort of an upset victory. EO is the superior performer of these three, in my opinion. So, I mean, that's merely nitpicking. I'm not going to argue with the results because it was the right one. They did the right thing. And now we can rejoice with EO Shirai as the new champion. Any immediate challengers you want to see step up to face Io, RJ? I,
1: I, I would say probably do her and Rhea. I mean, that's kind of what the story should be at this point. It's kind of weird because, I don't, like, is she heel? Is she tweener? Because, like, on Sunday, the crowd was chanting for her to win, so it was kind of weird because, like, she is a heel, but the way that they, like, perceived her was, like, she was, like, a face, but she's kind of healy Like, I don't, I don't know. So I guess if they kind of focus her as more of a tweener that you, I mean, at that point, the, the possibilities are endless at that point. The, the rest of the division she could have spewed with at, at this point, if that's how they're going to book her. But I would say do Rhea, and then from there, Maybe her and Tegan, maybe her and Dakota. I mean, I think they have a ton of possibilities.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing what she could do as the NXT Women's Champion. Uh, Before we go any further with the Backlash 2020 predictions, some quick takes from you real quick. Forgot to mention this in the original lineup for what we're going to be talking about today. But did you have a chance to check out the Ric Flair documentary, the 24 from Sunday?
1: I did not. I actually saw a clip on YouTube though of Triple H having to tell him to wrap it up.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But besides that, I didn't see it unfortunately.
0: Uh, definitely check it out. It's still very good. I mean, you've seen the ESPN one. Um, it's not as good as that one because they leave out the best part of the ESPN one. In my opinion, is when they show the grand retirement and then he's done, and then literally the next shot is him, you know, strutting down to the ring in TNA with his fucking robe on at like the age of sixty. And then you just see Jim Roscoe. Well, they needed the money. Like, it was, it's just an amazing sight. We joke about it all the time. But, you know, that's what this one WWE 24 was missing. But other than that, it's great. Well worth the watch. On um, the Street Profits, Viking Raiders continue their feud, quote unquote, with the Decathlon on Monday's Raw. Um, we haven't really talked too much about this, RG. What have been your thoughts on the feud between the Street Profits and Viking Raiders on Raw? Enjoying it or no?
1: It's, it's alright, I think it's very hit or miss I think some stuff's kind of funny, other stuff is just kind of like eh, but it is what it is, I mean it's definitely different than your typical wrestling match or kind of encounter, so I think it's like, letting them show them, I think for, at least for Street Profits kind of showing off their charisma and their kind of chemistry and stuff like that, and it's good to see the Viking Raiders and like a different sense as well. It, I mean, it kind of makes them seem a little silly because they're supposed to be like these tough fucking Vikings, but I think they're they're both doing well with it. Everything's not been great. I think some stuff's been better than others, but I think it's a nice little way um, to build a feud besides just fucking facing each other every week on Raw.
0: Hey, I mean, I will say this. I completely agree with you, and I will say this. It's better than having Montez Ford versus Ivar, like, every week on Raw. Like, remember back in the day when they would do, like, Jey Uso versus Luke Harper? Like, dude, who gives a fuck? Like, unless they're single superstars, I would get it. But, like, they're tag teams. Ivar and Eric should not be wrestling more often than not in, in singles competition because I just don't care about them on their own. Montez and Angelo are a bit different, um, but, like, they would do that all the time with the Usos, and I would really never understand why, um, just because they were never, ever entertaining on their own. It was more of a tag team thing. But anyway, I, I agree. Charlotte Flair beating Asuka in the Raw main event. Uh, yay or boo R.J., what's the deal with that?
1: It's a, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to bitch about it. Charlotte's going to be in the title picture. People just need to get over it. I understand it's fucking annoying as hell, but, I mean, you just have to accept it at this point that that's where she's going to be positioned as. She's a star get over it.
0: Do you think this sets up Oscar and Charlotte probably for either the July pay per view or uh, SummerSlam in August?
1: I would say so, yeah. I was She if she she won here and I'm assuming obviously uh Oscar should have won on Sunday. So I, I don't think Nia needs another match. She's fucking terrible. So <laughs> either the July show or SummerSlam I do her and Charlotte. Fear that she'd probably lose the Charlotte and then we get another reign of Charlotte but At this point, I'm just kind of accepting it and just I'm not going to bitch about it.
0: You know, I completely forgot. I remember that Asuka and Nia had a pair of matches back in 2018 uh, before Nia eventually ended up winning the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania that year. They not only feuded then, they actually had a feud in 2016 in NXT, too. I completely forgot about that, but they had a TakeOver match. I think a TakeOver... I don't know if it was The End. I think it was The End. I think it was TakeOver The End, actually, four years ago this week. And, um, Asuka beat her there, too. So, is she. I don't think Nia Jax has ever beaten Asuka. That should not change on Sunday. We'll talk about that later. I think an Asuka-Charlotte feud would be good. They just gotta frame it the right way. Because the whole, like, oh, you've never beaten me thing, I like it, but, like, it makes Asuka look weak to be losing non-title matches on Raw. There's better ways of accomplishing that. Um, but we jump on over to AEW Dynamite from last night. FTR and the Young Bucks continuing to plant the seeds for a future match, uh, which I've been really digging. I thought they did a good job of it last night. FTR beating the Butcher and the Blade in impressive fashion. Next week, the Young Bucks, I believe, face Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havigan Tag Team Action. So they're clearly holding off on that match, probably until All Out, as they should. Um, what have your thoughts been so far on the FTR Young Bucks feud, RJ, as well as how the FTR... Um, have since appeared on Jim Cornette's podcast, which I know you were a big fan of.
1: Um, I think it's been good so far. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the box. I just I think every match they do is the exact same. They're flippy dippy fucking indie guys. But for what it was, it's 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 been going well. I think, like they said on the podcast, they're not the FDR not like fucking contracted down with AEW. So I, I assume they seems like they honestly might just be here for this feud, and then from there they can either sign or just move on. So well, I'm interested to in see what they do from there, but um, I think it's good. I would hold off to All Out or until there's a crowd. I mean, it's kind of probably the biggest tag team match they could do at this point, especially with all the background history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, w- I would wait till there's a crowd, but if they're going to do it at All Out and there's still restrictions, I mean, at that point you just kind of have to do it. You can't just hold on to it forever. So um, I would hopefully wait till there's a crowd, but depending on how this shit comes out, I, I would uh, I would just do it at All Out.
0: Also uh, on the show last night, we did see Penelope Ford pick up her biggest win today, undoubtedly, by pinning the current AEW Women's Champion, Harkura Shida, in tag team action. They didn't announce this, but very likely setting up a future Women's Championship match for the Fighter Fest show slash shows next month. Um, Your thoughts on Ford pinning Shida in tag team action last night?
1: Fucking yuck. Hate yuck?
0: That. I thought you were Penelope Ford fan.
1: I like Penelope Ford, but she's not even... Cl- like, <laughs> she's, she's still so green, and that just... After she does big win, she does a match against some person we've never seen before, and had a competitive match, and then the next match, she yeah, has she fucking loses to fucking Penelope Ford. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, I understand you gotta make new... It's, like, it's like such a WWE thing, is so that's why I don't like it. It's like EO fucking in the belt, and next week she loses the fucking Casey Catanzaro, or fucking...
0: Chelsea Green, Chelsea
1: Green, or someone yeah. like that. Like, okay, she beat her, but then like that just makes her winning the title mean fucking nothing.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I don't hate it just because they do need to create new women's stars. I hate the whole champions losing thing. I completely agree with you on that.
1: Okay, so <clears> then <throat> you have, then you have Penelope Ford fucking beat Nyla Rose or someone who hasn't lost a lot. Have her beat Nyla Rose. Right. I don't know. No, I, Does I understand that. She, especially after she just won, just makes her look. She doesn't just, doesn't make her look good because it's not like before, it's lighting the world on fire in the ring. She's just average at best. She's very green. Still needs a lot of work to get done. So, I don't know. I didn't like that at all.
0: Well, this is the issue, though, because they should be setting up. I think Ford and Sheeta for the title at Fighter Fest makes sense. I don't want to see them give away a big match at that show if it's not on pay-per-view. The issue is that they position Ford as such a like an enhancement talent up to this point, and she's been in her fair share of matches. I'm not sure how many matches she's won compared to how many matches she's lost. I'm not sure what her record is. I do not know... What'd you say?
1: I think she has a losing record, honestly. She probably
0: does. I do know that she was in the top five ranking for the women, um, at number five, I believe. So this is probably their way of pushing her to number one. But the issue, dude, is that if you want her to be the number one contender, th- that's this is. I like the power rankings, but I also don't like the power rankings. Because if you want to set up Sheeta and Ford for the title, it seems like the only way to do that is by having her pin the champion. Whereas... You know, it seems like it was an all-of-a-sudden decision to ever go for the title. If they knew this ahead of time, they could have been building her up for the last month now, albeit by beating losers on Dark, but a win is a win. Like, the Natural Nightmares are getting a fucking title shot next week. Yeah, Penelope
1: Ford's 3-3 three and three this year, and she's 4-5 and five total.
0: Okay, so it's not the worst record, but she also has been losing a lot lately, it seems, on whenever it matters most on Dynamite. So the thing is if if they had her like you could do let's say her and Chris Statlander in a number 1 contenders match and then she wins you can't do that logically right now cuz her record isn't that great. She isn't anywhere near the number 1 slot or at least she isn't currently. So that's the issue with the whole power rankings thing and that's like Jericho's wrestled, what, three matches this year? I mean, it's it's kind of wonky, which is why I'm not a big fan of the whole power rankings and the wins and losses, and if done right, it makes sense, but you kind of run into an issue with stuff like this, where you kind of have to have her pin the champion, which I fucking hate, in order for her to get a title shot, because she should be nowhere near a number one contender's match.
1: Yeah, it's just, I don't like the whole ranking system, Morale. Really. I think it's now starting to show its flaws and just kind of silly and... Like you said, Jericho's had three matches this year. He's ranked fifth on the. He's the fifth ranked wrestler. It's fucking June. I know that's that's <laughs> that's
0: it's it's weird. I feel like Joey Janela's probably won more matches by now in Dark than Jericho has overall. So that's I don't like know. you
1: said, like the Natural Nightmares. They're gonna have a tag team match. They beat five fucking jobber teams on Dark. They're gonna tag title match. Come on, that's fucking silly.
0: Haven't they said that the quality of wins matters too? And they haven't beaten any top teams at all. None.
1: It's the whole everything they basically pushed the whole when the whole company started is basically been thrown out the window. It's supposed to be sport based, and they have the some of the stupidest shit going every week. I don't know. It just they wins and losses matter. They're five and zero, and they beat all fucking enhancement talent. They're going to get a team title match, and they're just stupid too because best friends. So basically, best friends. They've had two other teams get a title shot before them.
0: Exactly. That's like saying you know what are, are they the number three contenders at that point? That's like saying Wardlow because he's not undefeated, but because he lost to Cody. But he's won a lot of matches on Dark. Does that qualify him for a world championship match? Just because he's beaten all jobbers on Dark? You know what I mean? Like the Dark thing I we've talked about before, but I fucking hate how they just fill the entire show with loser matches. Like at least in the beginning it was like Omega and Janella, and they had Cody on a time or two. Now it's all enhancement matches, like... Christopher Daniels and Sonny Kiss, for example. I- I'm fine with that, because Sonny Kiss is on the show. But when you have Lee Johnson on every fucking show, and the guy's talented, don't get me wrong, but when he's losing to literally everyone under the sun, how much do these wins even really mean at that point? And they're, they're, th- these shows, dude, are like an hour and 20 minutes. Why? Why are they an hour? That's like saying an episode of Superstars from a couple of years ago... Should have been an hour and 20... Like, I just I just don't really like that, but that's a whole other argument for a different day. Um, Cody, Jake Hager, AEW TNT title at the Fighter Fest show. I'm not a big fan of this. They're supposed to be setting up, like, Mark Quinn, Jungle Boy, shot to the title. I like that. Fucking Jake Hager, dude. It, it feels like, again, speaking of superstars, it feels like a match I would have seen on main event five years ago.
1: Yeah, I don't really get that either, because they say in the ranking system... Cody and John Moxley, are in the, they're the same pool of people. So they're same people are content for. The, I don't know what that fucking means. I guess they consider both titles the same fucking level. I, I don't really understand that at all. But Hager's not even in the top five. That's another thing. And like, he hasn't. when's the last time he won? This? He fucking lost to Moxley.
0: I don't he lost know, just, on
1: the show, dude. He lost last night. I just don't. I don't. I don't. Get, I don't get it. They're obsessed with him. I don't get it.
0: I like Jake Hager, but he's much better in a bodyguard role than he is as an in-ring competitor. That is not an appealing match for that show. Like having That's like having Kane come out and face... Like, when they had Kane come out and face John Cena in the Open Challenge five years ago, I'm like, dude, who fucking cares? Like, it's the same thing. It's just I'm so burnt down on him. And the Moxley match wasn't really good. And Maybe it'll be a great match, but I feel like they should be setting up Cody and maybe Darby's down the road, but like... God, I'm trying to think. Um, Cody and Dustin again. Honestly, I would get behind that because their first match was so good. I would get beyond that more than a Jake Hager match. Who fucking cares? Or, or Cody and Sammy or something like that. Or Cody and Matt Hardy. Like, that to me makes sense. he's about
1: he's MJF? He's facing Billy Gunn next week. Yippee-ki-yay.
0: MJF, yeah, I know. Exactly. It's it's bizarre. He's not Billy Gunn. He's just Billy now. Did you know that? Who cares?
1: This guy's fucking 50-something years old. Who gives a rat's ass? <laughs>
0: I I don't like the fact he's on the shows as much as he is, I just... If he wants to work as a producer, that's fine, but you can't fucking complain about... CM Punk's final match in WWE, dude, was against Billy Gunn. On Raw, I'm sorry, he was in the Rumble, but before that he was on Raw, facing Billy fucking Gunn. And you can't complain about that and then be all over, oh, he's on Dynamite, like, no. I don't give a shit about his son, I don't give a shit about Billy Gunn, I'm sorry, not in 2020. Uh, Moving on back to NXT real quick before the backlash stuff. We saw the uh, the reveal of not El Hijo del Fantasma, but rather Santos Escobar. Now, my accent is terrible, but that's essentially the vibe they're going for there. As the new leader of this little mini-stable, the masked men are... um, What are their names? Uh, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. Now, I don't know who kidnapped them. I don't know who were under the masks when he was kidnapped. Probably... I'm not sure. I don't really know. Maybe Phantasma and Joaquin. I don't know. Maybe they staged the whole thing. I'm not sure. Uh, But either way, I thought this was fucking awesome. I thought the segment was great. You knew exactly where it was going. But predictability is not a bad thing. I knew where it was going with Phantasma revealing he was the leader of the group. I did not expect him to take off the mask. I did not expect uh, Wilde and Mendoza to be the two guys a part of his stable. I kind of sort of figured, I thought of that idea a couple days ago. I'm like, okay, where's this kidnap thing going? But now it makes sense. But the guy can speak great English. He's got a good look. And then I found out after the show that he actually unmasked the Mexico a year or two ago, dude. So him coming back with the mask, people were like, why is he coming back with the mask? He already unmasked. And the reason they did that Was he, I guess he had, not Not that he said this, but the idea is that he wanted to play like this likable luchador and, you know, doesn't know any English and people like him, blah, 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 just to kind of lull people in so he can win the championship. I mean, maybe he hasn't explained that yet, but if that's what they're going for, I think that's fucking awesome. We've we've talked about before, I'm a big King Cuerno fan from Lucha, and he wasn't even unmatched there. He was here, though, and he's a good-looking guy, so I'm glad he took off the mask. But uh, what were your thoughts on this big reveal, RJ?
1: I loved it. I, I, I fucking love this. Um, like you said, in the beginning of the show, when him and Drake were talking, like he was speaking of Spanish. Like like you said, like the bubbly luchador. Like, like see, like everything's great. And then right when they came out and you saw Fantasma turn around, you're like, oh boy. Didn't expect him to, like you said, unmask either. But, I mean, he has a great look. He looks somewhat like Andrade. Kind of has Andrade look to him. Mm-hmm. But he can speak way better English. When he cut that promo after, his English sounded really good. So... I'm very excited. I, th- I think he can go. I mean, at this point he's only the Cruiserweight champion. I I think he's great in the ring though. So, I'm excited for him and Devlin and whenever that does happen and I think he could be a a, a new star for NXT that that they don't that they need, but once some of the guys start leaving, it's a nice guy that can uh replenish the pot like you like
0: to say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I really hope Vince wasn't watching NXT last night because you know that when he sees this guy and he knows that he can speak English, and not the fact that he can just speak English, but the fact that he's as tall as he is, the guy's in great shape, Vince has... You know, heart's in his eyes right now just watching this dude. He would pluck him away from NXT in a fucking heartbeat. He is what he wants Andrade to be so badly. He is literally, you throw Andrade, Angel Garza, maybe a little Eddie Guerrero in there, and you get El Hijo del Fantasma. Um, The guy's a star. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with him. I like the stable. I like that a lot. It makes me fun. Not care, but like, dude, this is such a much better use of someone like Joaquin Wilde, who before, like, who gives a shit about the whole DJ thing? Oh my God, it was intolerable. It was so bad. So this is, I'm, I'm so glad they're moving in this direction. Uh, Dexter Loomis and Velveteen Dream, are they going to become a tag team based off the current feud they have going on with Undisputed Air right now?
1: It's possible. I mean, I, I don't really care for it, but I guess it gives Dream something to do since he can't get in for the championship. But <laughs> I'm interested in it. I'm not a huge Loomis guy, so we'll see how it goes, but at least it keeps him busy if he's not going to get called up right away.
0: Karrion Cross, Adam Cole is the next NXT Championship challenger. Yay or boo? Too soon? Are you a fan of it? What are your thoughts?
1: I would, I would say it's a little too soon. I would do Cross uh, and Chopper again, um, and then I would have Lee take the title from him. Then you could do Lee and Cross. I don't think Lee really needs a long title reign. I think he should win the NXT Championship just because he's he's been great down there, and I think he can have a little small reign at the cross, then get called up because I think he'll be a star in the main roster. But um, I, I would wait till uh, Lee takes his head off. Cole.
0: I agree. I agree. On the tap, on tap four next week on NXT, we got two—not one, but two—tag team title matches. First, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Black are getting the shot at the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles against the winner of Sunday's Triple Threat match of Backlash. Uh, first, time we're seeing the tag team titles for the women in NXT since October. When the Kabuki Warriors actually faced Tegan Knox and at that time Dakota Kai, um, your thoughts on the women's tag team titles coming on back to NXT?
1: I mean, it should be they should be down there. The NXT has more tag women like women they could put in a tag team, It's something different at least. I can only see the fucking Iconics and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross every fucking week, like over that shit. So it's nice. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think they're gonna win, but I think it's a nice little touch. Should definitely go back and forth a little bit more and cross brands and stuff like that. Um, it'd be just a better utilization of the title, so that mean nothing, but mm-hmm. um, just just defending them more and actually giving a shit about them will kind of go a little ways. I don't think uh, WWE's done those belts uh, too well.
0: Imperium Brazongo next week for the NXT Tag Team Titles. Uh, who wins RJ?
1: It's, it's gotta be Imperium. I think this is just kind of like a filler feud until the Grizzled Young Vets come back, but it should be a good match. Brizongo's always been good in the ring. They just never kind of gotten anywhere. Um, but I really like Imperium, so I would keep the, the bells on Imperium.
0: Hey, you met him. You met the NXT Tag Team Champions last year.
1: I did, I did. It was a great time.
0: I like the video package they did on Brizongo two last night. I thought that was really well done. Very necessary, too, to kind of establish what they're about, why they're in NXT. Um, so I thought that was well done. But I agree. I think that Imperium uh, walks out still the NXT tag team champions now we move on to our backlash predictions preview and picks for sunday night um as we record right now there are seven matches on tap so more matches will likely be added to the kickoff show to the main card i think seven's well i think i think seven's perfect i know money in the bank went what two hours two and a half hours one of the shortest pay-per-views in decades for that main roster so if they could have something similar for this year for this show i'm all for it um, I know they did that because the Money in the Bank ladder matches, you know, took up so much time, and that was, like, the central focus of the show, but with no fans, like, there's no real reason for the show to be four hours, and with seven matches, I don't think it will be, but we'll start with Apollo Cruz versus Andrade for the United States Championship, who wins RJ, and is this going to be the beginning of a rift between Andrade and Angel Garza and Zelina Vega?
1: Yeah, I think I think they've been teasing that lately. Um, since Andrade lost the title, I, I would keep Cruz th- with the belt here. I think that kind of makes sense. Why would you put it back on Andrade again? I think another loss could kind of sever ties between Garza and Zelina. The only issue is that without Zelina, I'd, I just don't see Andrade going so too far. We touched upon this earlier. His English is really bad, and I just I don't know. They just I don't think they're going to push him by himself. Um, since he just can't talk. I mean, I I saw reports a month or two ago that Vince literally told them you need to get better English if you want to get pushed. So, I mean, I would keep him with Zelina. I think they're a great pairing, but hopefully they're teasing tension between them and they just turn on Garza and he just goes baby face. But um, we'll see what happens. But I would keep Zelina and Andrade together.
0: Yeah, I think Cruz retains the title here. I totally agree. Um, of the two, I like the idea of an Andrade face turn would be interesting, just because we haven't seen him as a face since his NXT days when he was wearing the whole Chippendale outfit, which was fucking dumb. But I think at this point it would be well done. <laughs> that was that was terrible. Um, oh, actually, almost exactly four years since he debuted at that show. Actually, as what was he Manny when we saw him at NXT? LOL, RJ.
1: Manny Andrade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Manny Andrade. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but Angel Garza proved in NXT on his time in 205 Live that he could work as a babyface. People like Angel. He's a lot like Eddie Guerrero in that respect. Not to, you know, say he's the next Eddie. We've said this before, but I think in that respect, he could work as a face. So, um, he could talk too. So I think as a babyface, he'd be perfectly fine. Uh, Much better than Humberto, who is good, but like, he has not been booked well. Angel Garza feels much more like a star than Humberto ever has. Um, his cousin actually for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, Bailey and Sasha defending against not one but two teams in a triple threat tag team match. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and the Iconics. Um, your thoughts in this uh, on this matchup, RJ? Who walks out as the tag team champions?
1: It's nice to see these belts actually be defended on a show that matters. So that's a that's a plus, I would say. <laughs> uh, um, Bailey and Banks winning the championships. I mean, they just won it last Saturday, so it'd be kind of silly to take them or last Friday take them off them already. Um, it's kind of funny how Bailey and Sasha win the belts for the first time since Sasha quit like fucking a year ago. So I think that's just <laughs> funny, and they're like all happy now that they're champions. Even though when they got them taken off, them they're crying, and Sasha stayed at home for like six months. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm still not over that. Clearly, um, but I would keep Bailey and Sasha. It seems like they're dragging on this feud between them. I think they're just going to keep. They keep see, it seemingly seems like they're gonna keep this going until this fans back. So I think they might just stay together until that happens, and they'll eventually break off. But um, I'd keep the belts on them. The Iconics are terrible, and Bliss and Cross just lost them. So <laughs> I would put Bliss in the singles back in singles competition. The Iconics go back down to NXT again, and so can Nikki Cross.
0: I, I would say the unemployment line for the Iconics. I don't even think NXT needs them at this point.
1: That's just messed
0: up. I'm sorry. I like them, but like they just do nothing for me, which is why I'm picking them here. I think they're going to win the tag team titles. I do. They don't give a shit about these titles. They just flip-flop them back and forth. Bliss and Cross won them two months ago, and Bailey and Banks already ended their reign. So what's stopping them from already taking the titles off of Bailey and Banks? Uh, that's why I'm saying the Iconics. I want Bailey and Sasha to win. I just don't think they will. Especially since the Iconics beat them for the belts the first time. They might want to tell the story. They'll do it again. Um, I hope not, but that's my prediction. Do you think we get Bailey and banks at SummerSlam, or do they drag it out per the reports that we've been reading recently
1: i think they're going to keep dragging it on it seems like that's kind of the direction they're going in they haven't really teased tension in lately maybe if they lose on sunday imagine getting tension over a fucking belts. that mean nothing but i mean (laughs) possible so i think they're going to push along further but maybe losing uh belts as as worthy as the one around my waist right now will get them in up in arms (laughs) on sunday
0: yeah, the division's trash. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, who is your pick, RG? And what are your thoughts? Ben, I know you don't really closely watch SmackDown, but any thoughts on the Jeff Hardy storyline with the whole drinking thing recently on Friday nights?
1: I mean, it is what it is. I think it's somewhat compelling. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't capitalize on this guy's problem. Like, this is an actual real-life problem that he has. I think he's still pending, like, an actual, <laughs> yeah, like, a court date, yeah. Like, kind of weird, but I mean... It is compelling. I mean, it's definitely different. If I think if he's fine with it, it's whatever, I, like, I could give two shits less. I mean, if, if I was next scenario, I don't think I'd want them capitalizing on my DUI, so I've had so many of them. But um, it is what it is. I think it's somewhat – it's definitely different and compelling to me, at least. Um, I, I think Sheamus wins here to con- further it on, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, this one could go either way. They could have Jeff Hardy win end the feud go on a face the winner of Friday's Intercontinental Championship match, which by the way, who you got, Brian or AJ? Brian. Brian, I got AJ winning. So I think I think Hardy could win, go on a face AJ. I would drag this out. I think Extreme Rules might be the next pay-per-view in July, so why why end this now? Why not, you know, actually do a feud that matters at Extreme Rules? So I would have Sheamus win here. He's uh do a big win since returning and beating Apollo Crews and fucking Shorty G don't count for shit. So I would have him win here. Um, the Asuka Nia Jax match for the Raw Women's Championship. oscar has gotta win, right, RJ? She has to.
1: oscar has gotta win here. I mean, come on. If she loses the fucking Naya Jacks, <laughs> the division is fucking dead. It's <laughs> dead. dead. Call it a day. But, uh, no, Oscar wins here. I, the story clearly is them, her versus Charlotte now. I mean, they, the story was going about her and Naya, and then they still had her face a fucking triple throw match, even though we know Naya was gonna be the next contender. Um, but Oscar wins here. I'm assuming she faces Charlotte next and loses the belt to Charlotte. Um, unfortunately, I'm just I'm a realist. I think that's what's going to happen. Don't want it to happen, but I see Oscar wins here, faces Charlotte at probably Sh- SummerSlam and lose the belt there.
0: Yeah, I still want to see Oscar and Shayna Baszler, but uh, I think hopefully they do Charlotte at the July pay per view. Get it over with, and I would do Shayna and Oscar at SummerSlam. But again, that's just me. Maybe Shayna wins it then. That's what I would do. But again, it doesn't really seem like they give two. Many shits about Shane at this point, so I wouldn't. Yeah, some, you know.
1: Her because she hasn't been on TV in like a weeks. While. Yeah, in quite a <laughs> while.
0: Uh, for the Universal Championship two-on-one handicap match with the Universal Championship, Braun Strowman defending against the Miz and John Morrison. Come on, dude! What what the fuck is this? I love Morrison and Miz, but like this is a joke. They're not going to win. They can't. Correct.
1: This is a, This is just a like <laughs> prototypical, prototypical filler feud, like. No one cares. It is what it is. Like, silly comedy they're trying to go for and just not funny. And Braun has to win here. It's it's funny, though, because before Braun won the title, he lost in the handicap match to fucking Sami Zayn, Shinsuke, and Cesaro. Probably bigger losers than The Miz and Morrison. So, if they don't win here, it'll just make them look even worse. So I, Braun wins here, eventually feuding with, with Bray when he comes back or when he returns. I mean, I think that's obviously what's going to happen. But The Miz and Morrison couldn't be... No one could give two less of a shit about them than they can right
0: now. Yeah, exactly. Just who who could possibly give a shit? So I, I like them, but they're not winning here. We then get to our top two main events: Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. For anyone thinking a lot like with Oscar and and Braun that you know Drew is a surefire pick to win here, he's really not. I think Drew will win. But I think there's a good chance Bobby wins, too, and not just because of everything going on in the world right now. And, I mean, that would be a good tie-in. But first of all, they shouldn't force it. They shouldn't force a Bobby win. I think he should win anyway at some point. Maybe not right now. I just don't think he's quite ready yet. I would hold off until either the next pay-per-view or SummerSlam or whatever. Um, but anyway, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. Is there a chance your RJ, that Lashley walks out as the new WWE champion?
1: There's always a chance, but I would say... I say Drew wins here. I mean, Drew's been great. Obviously, you can't tell by crowd reaction, but since he's been champion, I've enjoyed his run um, a lot. I, I think he's been great on Ron, stuff like that. It hasn't been over the top. Like, they haven't been showing him like every fucking segment like they do with Roman Reigns. Um, <laughs> I think Roman's, the, Roman's the guy It's going to be the one that takes off Drew. I think this is just a good filler feud. I think they're building Bobby up well, but uh, I would say probably Roman's going to be the guy that takes off Drew.
0: Wait, 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 wait. You're saying Roman Reigns will be the one to beat Drew? Yeah. Where is that coming from? Roman's on SmackDown, or do you think he comes back on Raw?
1: They traded AJ Styles. How do you think what do you think Raw's gonna get back from?
0: Oh no. Oh no. I really hope not. That's terrible. That's (laughs) fucking terrible. Thanks for ruining my day. Uh, uh,
1: Roman wins LOL. That's
0: that's fucking terrible. I would much (laughs) rather have him stick on SmackDown and beat beat Braun. Honestly, that's that's just bad. That's awful. Anyway, um, Edge Orton, the greatest wrestling match of all time. Will it be the greatest match of all time, RJ? What is the greatest match of all time, in your opinion, and who wins?
1: I mean, this match is definitely not going to be the greatest match of all time. <laughs> the worst part is they're going to tape it, and it's still not going to be that, they've already taped it, I heard, and it's, it's still not going to be that good. And I don't I understand why they want that billing, it just kind of seems like you're basically setting up to fail, because it's not going to be that good, and the people are just going to shit all over it. But, uh, Best match of all time? I mean, it's. I would say it's either Sean and Taker from twenty five or twenty six. I like the twenty six match a lot. Mm-hmm. I know everyone really likes twenty five, but I really like twenty six as well. Um, I so agree. I, I would go with twenty six. I, I really enjoy that match, um, but I think either or you can't get, go wrong with either or.
0: I say twenty five, but I think twenty six in my opinion because twenty five didn't main event. I've always said that WrestleMania twenty six is the greatest WrestleMania main event of all time. Would you say the same?
1: 25,
0: you mean? No, no, 26, because 26, the greatest, like, the match that went on last at a WrestleMania.
1: Oh, yeah, easily. That match was amazing. I Like I said, I like the, the Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels match from 26 better than 25, and people think 25 is the best match of all time. So I, I really enjoy that match. I think the story for 26 was even bigger, obviously, with Michaels retiring and everything. But it's easily the greatest WrestleMania main event. I don't think it's really even close.
0: And one of the greatest video packages of all time, too
1: yes that
0: i know by heart <laughs> <laughs> i kid text me I every every that few weeks product, I, that, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're gonna pop off before you take off uh before after we wrap up you're gonna probably watch it real quick and then take off to wherever you're going
1: yeah, I got my I got my computer set up right here, so I'll probably <laughs> pop it up quick
0: and crack Amazing. Um, well, uh, I'm looking forward to breaking down Backlash next week right here on Rant Radio with Mr. Marceau. It's going to be a great time, as always. People can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore So People can find new episodes of the show every single Thursday at um, iTunes, NextAirWrestling.net, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. We'll be back next week talking Backlash and everything else going down in the the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau, this has been awesome as always. I'll catch your ass next week, sir.
1: See you later,
0: Alright, adios, brother.